This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590 and 100.5 in Albany, plus 96.9 and 1410 up in the North Country. Our guest today is Richard Guthrie, well-known bird expert in upstate New York. Richard, it's it's good to see you again. Good morning, Bob. It's nice to be here. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Richard Guthrie uh, is, is frequently heard and uh, seen uh, in the media talking about birds, and I thought it's kind of springtime, uh, whatever the weather is this Sunday morning. Uh, so let's bring on Richard and talk about birds. He also writes a blog, Birding with Richard Guthrie, in the Albany Times Union. Uh, People are are starting to report and think about birds. I even asked on Facebook uh, for people to say, you got anything you want me to ask, Richard? And uh, all I heard was from a weather watcher up Amsterdam way named Tom, who said that he, he, I believe what he he said, I know he said he saw a robin, but he also thought he saw a bluebird. Certainly. Bluebirds are here, that's for sure. Well, uh, we are at the doorway to spring. Uh, It's coming, despite what the weather says at the morning, but in the afternoon, we got spring. And um, the birds know that. They're in a hurry to get back. They're, They're either just arriving or they're at the doorstep just south of us and waiting to, uh, waiting for their day to come here. How's it going with with the robins? It seems to me over the years talking with you, you said, you know, people regard the robin as the first harbinger of spring, but you say the robins often don't leave here in the winter. They don't, but what they, we have a number of robins that either stay here all through the year uh, or those that come south to visit here for the winter, those Canadian robins that uh, stop, this is it, babe, this is Miami, as good <laughs> as it gets. And um, But the difference is, uh, those that are here all winter and the, the spring robins, the ones, the harbingers of spring, is the behavior. The ones that are here for the winter are reclusive. They, they, they find a quiet, quiet, uh, sheltered place. Uh, they gather together in uh, loose flocks of maybe 5, 10, 50, 100, or 1,000. Uh, but they're here. Hmm. But they stay out of sight, out of, out of mind. But as soon as springtime comes around, the robins show up on our lawn and they are being territorial. They're looking for a mate. They're looking to pair up, and they're looking to establish a little territory. So the behavior, they become more conspicuous. They start singing. Um, they're quiet all winter, but springtime comes, and they're full of song. Mm. Why are birds quiet in the winter? No reason to be noisy. The, the uh, song, bird song, is uh, sort of like a, a, a double-edged message. It's, one, it's a love song, and the other one, it's fighting words. The love song is to attract a mate. The same song, same words, same tune, is to fend off a potential rival. And so song is very important. And uh, during the winter, there's no need to bother because they're not looking for a mate. They're not going to be nesting. They're not going to be trying to defend a territory. So silence is golden. I imagine a lot of the people listening have fed the birds uh, this past winter, and they've still got their feeders up Um and what do you think about that? I, I heard one caution regarding bears oh, and bird feeders. So yep. tell us about that. Well, if you have bears in the neighborhood, don't feed the birds. Just simple as that. You don't want to mess. You like the birds, but you don't want to. You don't want to love the bird, the bears. So uh, steer clear. If you have, if you want to keep a bird feeder going, birds um, will still come to your feeder, but pull them in at night. Bears are more or less nocturnal for the most part. Uh, not, never say never, uh, but they won't bother during the day. So 
feed the birds during the day, haul the feeder in during the night. Hmm. Well, the specific concern I heard was, you know, this time of year that bears are coming out of hibernation and they're darn hungry. And they're, they're hungry. They're looking to eat something. Yes. And and um, they they will always be ready for a free lunch if they can find one. Okay, and your bird feeder could provide that for That's them. That's it. The menu's good. Yes, indeed. Um, what about uh, aspects of migration? Uh, have we seen changes in what birds, which birds migrate and so forth because of the way the weather's changing? Well, that's a, that's a very interesting question because it's, these are things that are hard to measure uh, from day to day, year to year, uh, decade to decade. In the long term, of course, we're still seeing the results of the glacial uh, retreat. Uh, 12,000 years ago, this place was covered by a mile-thick coating of ice. Mile-thick. Uh, that's 5,000 feet up. That's the, the height of a yeah. lot of airplanes going overhead, if you stop and think about it. Right. Uh, the glaciers pulled back, and the birds moved in. They've been doing that for 12,000 years or longer over the various ice ages, millennia. And uh, so we're still seeing some expansion from the south to the north of many bird species. A notable example is the cardinal. If you're listening out there this morning, in any kind of morning these days, you'll hear a cardinal singing anywhere in the neighborhood. wasn't too long ago, I remember, a Schenectady Gazette uh, newspaper, front page, well, second section. Okay. That the, above the fold? Above. Oh, you're definitely with a picture mm-hmm. of a cardinal at a bird feeder. That was big news. That was back in the 40s or so. Uh-huh. Nowadays, it will be big news if there's not a cardinal at a bird feeder. One, if, for those who haven't heard, Richard, one of the attributes of this gentleman is you, you do birds, do you not? I do talk to them. No, I mean, you, yes. you. Oh, sure. Right. A couple of little here's and there's. Can, can you give us a little cardinal? I could, but um, I only see how the whistle works this morning. All right. Take it a goes, look. Uh, the cardinal, as a verbal mnemonic of its song, that is a, a so, word association with how the sound may sound. And it goes something like, what? Cheer, 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 cheer. <laughs> so it's a sort of an uplift note and then a series of cheer, uh, slurring cheer. notes. Cheer, cheer, cheer. That's the cardinal. Nah, the whistle ain't going to work this morning. I'll be <laughs> That's We're going to need another cup of coffee to get that uh, lubricated up. Well, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what is that? I mean, you do it because it's fun, but you actually call birds? With- well, <clears throat> mainly because it's fun. Uh, there's a little bit of a caution about that. You want to be nowadays. There are playbacks. You you have a oh yeah an intelligent phone. Uh, one of them yes, things. One of them there. Yeah, and uh, you can bring up the songs of many different kinds of birds and play them back, and you'll get a reaction. The caution is this: remember, bird song is very important. That is a love song in the defense. It's the defense part that becomes the the issue. If you're playing a song. Let's say a very robust song of a cardinal or a robin or a blue jay or a bluebird, you wanna you know that you're intruding on their territory. And that male robin is out there doing his job is to get rid of you. <laughs> and so he's he's gonna be def, uh, expending an awful lot of energy uh, working on your presence. You don't want that. You wanna you wanna make him feel comfortable and you want him to stay. If he feels that he's not winning the battle, he may move on. Huh. And, um, it, you know, it's kind of hard to win a battle again against an incessant, loud, electronic rival. <laughs> I see. Um, and 
but do birds, you say they, they sing for courtship and, and defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, do they ever just sing for fun? Maybe. 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 Knows, and I like right? to think they do because sometimes you'll see, you'll, you'll get a song sparrow in January singing away on a nice day, you know, and, you know, there's hormones kicking in, that's for sure. Uh, but um, sometimes they just maybe feel good. Mm. Uh, I like to think that. I'll give them that. Nope. You know, back in the day, back in my school years, was we were told uh, don't associate human attributes to wildlife, right. to nature. Right. Uh, it's uh, it's not our right to interpret our ways, their ways. And so we were told to steer clear of this anthropomorphic. I mean, that was the buzzword back then. Now I like to think, yeah, sure, give them the, give them the go. They can, they can have fun, and I've seen birds have fun. So and and also squirrels, and you know, you see puppy dogs playing. You see, right. see you see gulls right. down by the river, uh, having a good old time. Jonathan Livingston out there. We're joined by Richard Guthrie, well-known bird expert here in upstate New York. Let me uh, follow up and see if there's more that you want to say about uh, courtship and pair bonding at this time of year. Uh, Not the fruit pairs, but two two birds together. Um, Is spring the time for courtship? No. No? Uh, Some of these these guys and gals can go at it year-round. Yeah. Uh, Waterfowl, for example, the mallard duck. That we see at the pond, let's say over the over uh, up at uh, Vicious Ferry or, or whatever. If the water's open and there are ducks around, you'll see these. Um, they're out there doing their little courtship behavior, pair bonding. Well, it, it, in November, December, January, and then comes March. Uh, they're ready to go. So, it, it, and you know, the question comes up: Do these birds pair for life? Mm-hmm. Do they? Is it the same mom and pop cardinal year after year? Maybe yes, maybe no. Uh, it's all about time and chance. It's, mm. uh, it's not by choice. It's a uh, circumstance. So uh, if, if a, a Canada goose and a male and female happen to be together and they uh, spend the winter in the area or travel south and come back, if they're still together, that's fine. If not, well, moving on. Mm. <laughs> so I, but what would be some reason? I mean, do, I, what, do you know what would be some reasons that uh, two geese would split up? Uh, chance. They get uh, diverted. The geese may be uh, less so because they more or less travel as extended family. Mom, pop, the kids in the last uh, couple of generations mm-hmm. may be together. So, and, and they have a strong sight fidelity. They, they go to where they've been before and they come back to where they've come from. And so that, and that goes with the songbirds too. That robin that nested in the apple tree last year uh, will be back to that apple tree the next year. They have this very strong sight fidelity. And, and the theory behind that is if it worked once, why mess with it? Don't mess with success. They'll come back again and do it again. And the young, same theory. The young go away and come back again, probably to the same backyard. If it's already taken, let's say by the uh, adult birds from the previous year, they'll find another place nearby. So they have a tendency to return to the same locale all the way from South America. Some of these birds winter, they have a... Uh, let me see. I think it's I, it's like a twenty six thousand mile journey. Goodness to get back home, and when they get back home, uh, they usually or f- quite often find the place where they were born, mm. hatched out. Uh, Richard Guthrie is uh, with us, I, a bird expert. I've I've been interviewing you for decades. I think mm-hmm. on the subject mm-hmm. of birds. 
Was this in some way your livelihood at one time? Not really. No, there ain't no money in it for me. I see. <laughs> but it's been an avocation for years, and uh, it's been a family a family uh, tradition. Uh, my dad was the guy who brought me out as a kid, which, by the way, I encourage moms and pops and brothers and sisters. Uh, this is a time to get out, to get out and enjoy the spring weather, get a small field guide, learn the local birds, and then keep track, see who's who. And it's, you know, it's kind of like a challenge, a personal one. Uh, it could be a competitive challenge, uh, siblings and uh, um, uh, your neighbors and your other birders. And, and just, um, you know, it's all about getting out, relaxing, taking time and observing. And once you start looking at the small things, you start uh, realizing the larger picture of it all. Mm. Now, let's continue to, uh, talking a bit about the birders as opposed to the birds. I mean, a birder is a human who likes birds. Bird watcher. Right? Bird watcher, yeah. Um, what, you know, what's kind of like the calendar like when you have these different events where you count the birds and, and so on? There always seems to be something going on. And that's uh, uh, um, through the course of the time, there are ways of keeping track of what birds are out there. And I might point to a, a method of doing so, and that's the Cornell University and National Audubon Society have teamed up, and there's a, a free um, app that's available out there called eBird, as in <laughs> electronic bird. And uh, if you lo- log into eBird, set up an account, you can keep track of all your bird sightings, and it goes into a worldwide database where you can also draw out from that resource and find what other people are seeing around the area and get alerts to when a rare bird has shown up, or you can get your sightings. And it's a very important citizen science opportunity. And this is where, when you asked earlier if there's any changes going on Mm -hmm. over there, we can keep track of changes. And Cornell, you know, they're brilliant. I love these young kids. They can do stuff. And um, they've created these uh, animated maps where you can keep track of the barn swallow migration from central Brazil all the way up to Manitoba, Canada, uh, or uh, central New York, or uh, right here in the capital district, where the, you, can, you can map, they have mapped the movement of these birds, and they're doing it based on input from ordinary citizens, ordinary bird watchers, birders out there, the few birds in their backyards or the bunch of birds down at Fisher's Ferry Nature and Hot Stark Preserve. We've been uh, so far talking about birds that humans like to watch, but uh, some folks consider birds quite a nuisance. Uh, in in particular, usually crows, mm-hmm. the the Canada geese, perhaps, mm-hmm. with all their uh, defecating here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what's your take on on birds as a nuisance? Well, it's all a matter of perspective. I, I um, my son and I, we we lived uh, near one of these crow roosts. Uh, not under it, but near it. (laughs) So that changes maybe a little bit of the perspective. But I'll tell you, it's a beautiful sight to watch these hordes of crows coming in in the winter evening uh, to their roost, hundreds of crows. It's just a beautiful sight to see. Um, On the other hand, if you're living underneath where they are, um, um, uh, have faith. 
uh, any day now they'll be gone because they too, like the robins, reclusive or gathering a gregarious during the winter, uh, will disperse and become separate individual pairs defending their territory, and they'll be widespread and out of sight. Mm. I remember when I was doing a radio in Amsterdam, and I'd have you on. The folks up there, you know, especially who lived in a certain neighborhood, got a great crow es- or a large uh, crow infestation, and they weren't too happy about it. But you no. say that that changes over time. Yeah, that uh, it's all it's all during the winter. Crows uh, are gregarious during the winter and uh, not quite so during the summer months. And they'll move on. They'll go into disperse into the uh, various woodlots around the countryside, well up into Canada. We, you know, a lot of these crows that we have around here are Canadian citizens. Canadian crows. Um, this, another thought occurs to me. We're talking with Richard uh, Guthrie about birds. What about in the cities? Let's you know, pick our you know, biggest city, Albany. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are birds in Albany, right? And sure. Sometimes birds of prey. They are. Uh, backyard birds in an urban setting are an interesting phenomenon. Uh, you can create a natural habitat if you have or uh, uh, work with a parks department to uh, create natural bird habitats in the city. And you'll attract a wide variety. Washington Park in Albany has a long history of an interesting turnover of different bird species. Going way back, Lillian Stoner wrote a uh, a, a wonderful memoir for the uh, New York State Museum back in, I think it was 1928 or 1930-something. And, and the variety of birds back then was very interesting, and that keeps growing as people become more aware, observant, and um, and taking note, especially through things like eBird. But the common birds in the backyard in the uh, city area would be the house sparrow, the starling, and the pigeon. Oh, oh the pigeon. I forgot <laughs> that with the, the nuisance pigeon. birds. Right, yeah. right. Well, they are there. Yeah, uh, these are, you know, it, it's all this business of introduced species is something of a mixed blessing. We either, you know, you can love them or you can hate them. And um, as far as the bird world is concerned, better off without them. The same holds true with plants. But in any kind of a setting, if you create, if you build it, they will come. Hmm. And so if you create a backyard habitat with bird-friendly plants and flowers, um, native stuff, native plants and flowers that will produce berries and attract uh, useful, beneficial insects. Not, not you know, people say bugs and they become a little turned off. Bugs is bird food. Bugs is good bird food. <laughs> and uh, so, and they're not necessarily injurious. So it's a, um, always a good challenge to create a habitat uh, that will harbor birds and rewards are yours. What about, and we're, all, we're getting close to the end here, but what about bird-friendly garden plants? Well, there's lots to choose from, and I emphasize on food-producing, shelter-producing, and uh, net plants. I would recommend uh, checking out at a, native, at a, a plant um, a nursery and stick to the native plants. We've had, again, going back to invasive stuff with the stallings and, rot and um, pigeons, invasive, not necessarily good. Native stuff? Habitat friendly, um, and there is there's a wide variety of colorful, attractive, fragrant plants that you can choose from, that will bring hummingbirds and goldfinches and uh, lots mm-hmm. of nice, uh, pretty birds to the yard. Well, Richard Guthrie, birder, I thank you for joining us. My pleasure. 
Richard Guthrie, and uh, he does do a, a blog for the Albany Times Union website. You're listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590 and 100.5 in Albany, plus 96.9 and 1410 in the North Country. Our guest today, as I just said, was Richard Guthrie, well-known bird expert in upstate New York. This program can be heard online at albanymagic.com, also on bobcudmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.